Hello and welcome to the Exigen Podcast. In this series, Capstone, we'll be diving into the largest ever comparative utility study in lupus diagnostics. Here to do just that are our two guests, Dr. Deborah Zach, Chief Medical Officer for Exigen, and Tyler O'Malley, Director of Evidence Development for Exigen and co-author of the study. Join us as we explore the unmet need that prompted the study, the end results, and what these discoveries mean for both patients and providers. Dr. Zach, Tyler, welcome to the show. Hi, Clara. It's nice to be here with you today. Yeah, uh, thanks, Clara. It's nice to be here with you as well. All right. So before we jump into the actual study, I like to back up a bit and start at the beginning. So Tyler and Dr. Zach, could you give us a bit of a background on yourself and then what your role at Exigen is? And maybe let's start with Dr. Zach. Um, my background before I came to Exigen was that I was trained as a rheumatologist and I did some um, graduate work in immunology as well. Um, thought I was going to be an academic professor, but instead went um, after about 10 years of that went into industry and have been looking at either designing new drugs or finding new pathways or now looking at diagnostics since I've been with Exigen for the last two years. So it's a really fun place to be. Yeah, blend of the medicine and innovation at the same time. That's exciting. Thank you. And Tyler, how about you? I'm in my ninth year with Exogen, uh, currently in the role of Director of Evidence Development. Um, in my time at Exogen, I've worked in multiple facets of the organization, uh, ranging from assay development, clinical research, medical communications, that's ultimately led me to where I am today. And going through the, these different roles in the organization, it's allowed me to have a unique perspective of various stakeholders within the rheumatology world and um, has positioned me to be able to work on our clinical research studies to demonstrate the uh, value of our testing uh, in terms of the impact that it has on patient care. Very cool. And really what's neat is that both of your experiences and backgrounds make you guys the perfect people to talk to about this particular study. Well, for more than one reason, but given your understanding of rheumatology and more specifically lupus, diving into that a bit more, can you expand upon the current landscape when it comes to specifically lupus diagnostics? And maybe Dr. Zach, if you want to provide your perspective um, from, a, from a provider point of view on what that currently looks like. Sure. Um, interestingly, most of the tests that we still use in rheumatology were developed um, in the middle 1900s. Um, or so, and not a whole lot has changed about, about them over time. Um, one of the things that's really tricky with the various tests is that while some are very specific for lupus, they don't pick up um, a whole lot of lupus patients. So there can always be, it's always difficult to really pin down the diagnosis accurately um, and without having a lot of repeated tests and repeated go-arounds um, trying to figure out what a given patient has. So um, the landscape includes specific tests such as um, double anti-double-stranded DNA autoantibodies and an auto, another autoantibody called anti-Smith that are very specific for lupus, but together they probably only pick up about 30% of people. 
So one of the great things um, about the work that um, we've we've done collaborating with um, Joey Hearn and Sue Manzi's um, discovery of looking at pieces of complement components um, on cell surfaces allows us to really look at see when all this inflammation cascade is going on and if it's going if it's getting worse or getting better. And so that's really the novel piece that we now bring. Um, to, to the um, physicians and patients in order to look um, at um, how, how inflammation is going in these patients and being able to make a diagnosis quicker. Lupus uh, patients are the ones who have the most of these little pieces left behind. So you can measure them and really get a good idea by looking at that in, in context with some of the other older tests that we've relied on in the past. Great. And then just to provide a little bit of context, then everything that you're saying is cultivating into our advised testing. So you're referring to lupus, advised lupus and advised CTD that then, especially advised CTD, which has a lot more accuracy when it comes to lupus diagnosis, right? Right. Because when you just look at an ANA, for example, um, an anti-nuclear antibody test, which most people think of when they think about lupus, um, there's far more people that are positive for that test than um, are people with lupus, all of them combined. So you're picking up far more false positives than you are the true lupus patients. So it's difficult and doing the test over and over again really doesn't help you make the diagnosis. It just causes repeated use of a test that's not getting you any closer to the diagnosis. Okay, thank you. Because you're setting the stage for really the, the foundation of what launched Capstone. So before we jump into Capstone specifically, um, I want to turn to Tyler. We've, we have a lot of tests that have really looked at the utility of advice testing. So before we look at the most current uh, study, which we're all very excited about, Tyler, could you uh, give us a bit of context in terms of what research has already been conducted around the utility of this test? Yes. So um, we're very proud of the uh, amount of um, work that we've been able to do uh, to publish a number of peer-reviewed studies that have explored a number of different facets of the Avise test. And in general, there's uh, four main types of evidence that diagnostic tests will undergo uh, as part of the process to present data to the appropriate stakeholders for medical benefit coverage um, and acceptance more broadly. And those four categories are analytical validity, clinical validity, clinical utility, and health economic outcome research. And I bring this up because the advised lupus test has uh, undergone all four stages uh, of this evidence development process. And in total, we've published at this point nearly a dozen studies focused specifically on advised lupus and around 30 studies uh, focusing on advised lupus and cell-bound complement activation products uh, more broadly. And just to briefly explain the four phases here with analytical validity, we're really looking at the, the technical soundness of the test uh, in that we're looking at our results reliable. If patients are repeat tested multiple times, do you get consistent results over time? Can you perform the test on multiple different instruments with multiple different operators? Um, that's sort of a foundational element, right? To make sure that your tests 
is reliable. The next phase is clinical validity. And this is where you prove the accuracy of your test in whatever it's intended to do. So in our case with Avise lupus, we're looking to differentiate lupus uh, from patients with other connective tissue diseases that may share some clinical similarities with lupus, like RA, primary Sjogren syndrome, uh, et cetera. And so uh, in that phase, we show that the test is both very sensitive and specific, uh, meaning that the test picks up lupus patients effectively and that it differentiates lupus from other diseases effectively. Third phase, uh, as I mentioned, is clinical utility. And this is where we look at the real world impact of the test. So when the test is placed in the hands of the rheumatologist and it's used uh, in its appropriate context, uh, does it lead to an impact on decision-making, right? Does it lead to diagnosis? Does it lead to treatment changes? And ultimately, does that benefit the patient at the end? Uh, because our tests, we're providing unique information to the provider, but the ultimate goal is to improve patient care and outcomes. And then lastly, the fourth phase uh, is health economic outcome research, where we're really taking a holistic view and trying to understand, does the test yield a clinical benefit? And is that clinical benefit cost effective? I'm sure we've all heard about the uh, persistent concerns about the rising cost of care generally in the US. And um, so it's incumbent upon organizations like us that introduce new technology to show that it is cost effective, that uh, whatever cost is being introduced is worth it in terms of a return on better patient outcomes or cost savings in some form to the healthcare system. Thank you. That provides a really great overview of why testing is important. However, what's interesting is, as you've mentioned earlier, Avise tests have undergone a lot of you know, a lot of these studies. We have a lot of published studies, as you've just mentioned. So, if it has already been proven multiple times, what is the need? What is the unmet need that then prompted Capstone to then occur? And I'll ask this to both of you, but maybe Tyler, if you want to kickstart off this one. Sure. So the Capstone study was conceived um, in large part to reinforce the existing evidence. We're in a unique position now in the life of the Avise lupus, Avise CTD test, in that um, we have announced publicly that we've performed over 600,000 tests. And so uh, we believed it was high time to take a look at the impact of the test in the real world. There's certainly value to the types of studies that we did leading up to this point, uh, which are performed in very controlled settings, very often academic centers. Um, but we felt an added dimension that the capstone study adds to our evidence package is to understand the real world impact. Um, and so that's really a big theme of the study here is that we're, we're not you know, prescribing how the test should be used and we're not you know, it, telling physicians to look at a certain set of patients, we're, we're really just taking a sort of agnostic view to how the test has been used and how that compares to alternative testing options that are commercially available. Got it. Got it. Anything that you want to add to that, Dr. Zach, in terms of what this study provides that other studies haven't? Yeah, it really looks at a broad spectrum of um, patients who have undergone testing with Avise lupus. 
um, versus those that may have used the more traditional methods of looking at um, diagnostic, um, at, at new diagnoses of lupus. And so we could compare a lot more patients in a clinical study with um, limited number of centers, you know, we might um, target and look at the histories for, you know, 100, 200, 300 patients. But in a healthcare uh, electronic medical records using that tool, now you can look at, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of patients and see where the diet, you know, how, whether the diagnosis comes earlier, whether um, it's made more rapidly with each of the tests and you can kind of compare them real world. Did it lead to a diagnosis that was earlier? Did the patient get put on the appropriate medicine um, sooner? And, you know, did it make a difference in their outcome it, as far as um, being appropriately diagnosed and appropriately treated instead of waiting as long as um, it's in some cases up to about six years for a diagnosis while the disease is um, constantly causing, is causing damage to the body that can't be erased once it's caused. So these are the kinds of things you can do with a big medical electronic record is you can look and see, you can identify who got tests and then what happened afterwards. So it's just a really nice way of looking at a broad spectrum of patients and their physicians um, across the whole country. Thank you, Dr. Zach. That lays out the groundwork well for exploring the capstone study in depth, which is exactly what we'll be doing in our next episode. For now, I want to give a big thanks to you both, Dr. Zach and Tyler, for your time and insights. And we hope that all of our listeners will join us in episode two. You have been listening to Exigen's podcast. For more information about Exigen, please visit the website at www.exigen.com.